1: I love how even at the highest levels that, uh, that our love for on these schools is making a difference. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I got the opportunity to go to six different sites last week and was blown away by how much was done. More people showed up than we expected. More work was done than we could have hoped for. Started my day at Great House Elementary, and uh, the site leader, Taylor, who was there, had actually went to school there. One of his friends called uh, during the week and said, hey, I want to come to church with you. I'm going to be in town. Let's go to church with you next weekend. He said, let me tell you what church looks like next weekend. And he said, he shared it with him, and actually his friend's wife went to Great House as well. And so that family got to come and serve at that school, and they loved it. While we were there, we also met this uh, lady named Lindsay who's been coming to Northeast. During the pandemic, she started a group called Louisville Women Connect. Louisville Women Connect. And most of the time, they're going down to the Great Lawn to listen to music or they're uh, going out to dinner together. Well, that weekend, she invited them to come serve with Northeast And that's what they did. They showed up, and so six ladies were right there next to her, ready to go. And at that same time, we were celebrating that. My friend Jenny from Taco Bell, you've heard her story before. She showed up with two from the Taco Bell family. It really was amazing, and we transformed every campus we got to be on. But more importantly, we transformed hearts and minds of those we served alongside, those school leaders who were able to be there with us. Um, It really was a beautiful thing. And I think we transformed each other. Hopefully you all built new relationships out there. I got to finish my day at Westport Early Childhood where our high school had been invited to join this great team out there. And what I saw there was beautiful. Not just what had been done, but there was this huge group of very sweaty, very dirty, very joyful people. And that's the mark of the Love the Ville lifestyle. Dirty hands, sore back, open arms, full hearts, right? Right? And hopefully you got to experience that. Jim, if you've been around here any time at all, you know that that's what we're about is this Love the Ville lifestyle. And very simply, very simply, it means that we're unleashing the love of Jesus with all in, in our city, our homes, our church, in our workplace. And the reason we do that is very simple. As Jesus told us the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Let me unpack that for just a second, what those words mean. Our heart, it's the center of our feelings and it's the desires that drive our actions. Our souls are our energy and our life force. Our mind is not just our thoughts, but it's our will. And some of you have a spouse with a very strong one of those. Not you, but your spouse, I'm sure. And then there is the strength. It's not just the gun show, but it's every resource we have. That's our time, our money, our influence, our talent. And so when we are to love our God, we're supposed to do it with all of that, with all of what we have, with all of what we are. And how do we do that for an almighty King of heaven? Because we can't just walk up and mow his grass, can we? We can't take him out to coffee or cook him a meal or even give him a hug. But that's why there's another commandment that that Jesus says is right there next to that one. And that's to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because that's when our love becomes action. When it's for others next to us. And that's why Paul said in Galatians 5.14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. To love your neighbor as yourself. You know, Jesus taught us who our neighbor was, didn't he? In the parable of the Good Samaritan, he taught us that it's not those who live right next to us, but it's anyone we draw near to. So who do you draw near to? Who do you pass by consistently? Who sits in that cubicle next to you? Who cheers next to you at your kids' games? Who sits around your dinner table? Who do you worship alongside? If we're to love our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, we need to love those with all that as well. So how are we doing that? How are we doing that? Well, earlier this year, we talked about how to unleash love in our homes and how to live that out with our playbook. We got real intentional and found ways we were going to do that. We also did the same in our church, but we still need folks to step up and serve in ministries across the street. But today, we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about how to love, the, love our God in our city. And how are we doing that consistently and intentionally and we're going to get to answer that question that so many people had. How, when do we get to do this again? I heard it from all the people who led different sites. I got to hear it from all the people who served for the first time. When do we get to do this again? Well, the answer is whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Because we don't want serving God in our city just to be a one-time-a-year thing. It needs to be a consistent rhythm. And so for the rest of our time, we're going to introduce you all to ways you can do that. You might have seen the tents that are out on the street out there. We're going to have a ministry fair after the service where you're going to get to meet so many of our local partners and friends that will give you a place to serve. And tomorrow is going to interview a few of those ministries in just a moment. You'll be so blessed to hear what they're doing and how God is serving through them. But it's our goal you find one of those and you take a step. Now, before we get to that, I want to talk to you about the way we serve in our schools because it's so much more than what we do once a year at our school blitz. You know, we love our schools here. We have 11 partner schools. We're going to throw this up. Let's keep that up for a little bit because it's beautiful to see through that list. In those partner schools, we love to come alongside the principals who have a dream for that school, and we love to help those dreams become a reality. We love to encourage all the teachers that are in those schools because even in the best of times, they have a really difficult job. And we love to be able to spread love to the children and the families that depend upon those schools. And the best way we do that is through our school liaison team. We have people, yeah, they're good. I agree, cheer for them. We have a school liaison team that has stepped up and they're in those schools every week talking to the principals. They're in those schools every week getting creative on how they're going to love those teachers and encourage them. And they've also been freed up to take care of families who are in pivotal circumstances. When there's a need, they've been freed up to be able to step in and help out right away. And you know what? This year has been our most effective year ever when it comes to those school liaisons, but I still feel like we're just getting started. We need more people to step up and assist in those teams. And maybe that's a spot God is calling you to. Well, they're gonna be out there a little bit later. You can chat with them on the street, but right now I wanna introduce you to Julie Mattingly who's just been on this team for one year, but that has grown her faith and her love in a huge way. I want you to hear it from her.
2: I'm Julie Mattingly, liaison for Portland Elementary. At first, I got to be honest, um, I was new at Northeast. Um, I wanted to be involved. I'm a teacher, just got Netflix, had a lot on my plate. So I signed up for the very minimum, the assistant to the assistant to the assistant liaison. That's what I wanted, I was going for. And Jason calls me and two weeks after that, I am the Portland liaison person. This opportunity was nothing but abundance, generosity. The other liaisons I worked with were giving of so much. They collect books for libraries. We made little crate seats for the kids. They put on a whole graduation. I wanted to be more like them. The support I got through Richard, anything I asked, his answer was always yes. It was what can we do to help? How much can I give? He just gave and gave and gave. The experience was transcending to me because I first, I got to see what it was like how God gave abundantly. We all have gifts. Talents, passions, things that we've experienced in life, lessons we've learned, and there's so much need out there. I don't think you should hold your talent, your gift, your passion, harbor it. I think you should go out and share it with the world and make your light be seen. And this is a great opportunity to sign up and give of your time. And so take the opportunity and sign up and be a light.
3: Amen to that, right? yes hey good morning church yeah let's give julie a hand we are so glad to be with you today. I'm glad to introduce you to a few wonderful folks in just a moment. And hopefully you'll make your way to Main Street after the service to visit more. But today the purpose of our panel is simply to inspire, encourage, and challenge you to serve consistently in our city. That, that might mean once a week, once a month, or once a quarter. But I believe God has called all of us as Christians, to be sent people. That means we are to go into the world. We have the great commandment, as Jason said earlier, to love God and love neighbor, but we also have the great commission, which is to go. So we're gonna be inspired today, and I am so glad you're here. And online audience, I'm so glad that you are with us today as well. So let's get started. I'm gonna ask you guys to introduce yourselves and let us know how you got connected to Northeast. Northeast.
0: Thank you. So I'm Jeff Dye. I'm with Hope Collaborative. And uh, we've known of Northeast for over 20 years, uh, live not too far away, um, know some of the staff here and just appreciate, just was really blown away after the first service by the
4: interest and how serious you guys are about loving the Ville. So keep it up. I'm Clay Jones, a longtime member of Northeast. uh, In the process of trying to create a construction team ministry, um, looking for people with uh, any type of construction skill, carpentry, plumbing, flooring, roofing, whatever you've got, we would love to have uh, you join our team.
5: Good morning. My name is Daryl Davis. I'm the director of the Prisoner's Hope here in Louisville. And we were first connected to John Wren, assistant pastor to, if I remember right, john Cherry, uh, uh, Bob Cherry, uh, some years back. And then we met Leslie and Tamara who have been amazing in our our ministry. Um, The Prisoner's Hope is a multifaceted ministry that works with pre-incarceration, incarceration, incarceration, post-incarceration, works with the families left behind and the children uh, providing counseling services for the children.
3: Awesome, thanks, so glad to have you guys with us. So Jeff, why don't you tell me a little bit more about the purpose and mission of Hope Collaborative?
0: Sure, so we uh, desire to just bring unity and wholeness in our community by partnering with churches like Northeast And we do that in three ways. Um, We have a community outreach center on the south side of Louisville and it works with a lot of immigrant and refugee populations. We're told that within like a few blocks of Hope Place, our our community center, there are a hundred languages spoken, which just blows me away. It's hard to even imagine that. So we get to work with a lot of folks that are just trying to find their way and get to love them to the Ville, if you will. The second area that we do is we work with kids in the diversion system. So these are minors that have a uh, usually a low-class offense, and instead of going to court, they get diverted for six months, and we get those kids, a lot of them, and we get to just walk alongside them and kind of help them move in a different direction. So it's a real a real cool opportunity there. And then the third area we have um, where we use our most volunteers is mentoring in the schools. We're in Oldham County and Jefferson County as well as some others in the area, but we place mentors in the schools, and they go in every week into the schools and meet with uh, up to four kids weekly and just support them, encourage them, and we're in most of the Oldham County schools and a lot of Jefferson County schools as well.
3: Fantastic. Clay, tell us a little more about the construction team. You do not have to have skilled labor per se, correct?
4: Well, we do need skill, but skill. we don't necessarily need somebody that's, that Life. works. C- correct. Okay. Correct. <laughs> that you don't have to necessarily work professionally as a, as a carpenter or whatever, whatever your skill may be. Um, if you grew up uh, framing houses in the summertime, or, or roofing, your dad was a roofer, and you learned that trade, whatever trade it is, um, but you work as an accountant now, um, and you still like to do some construction work, we, we want you just as much as we want the people that might work professionally and on a daily basis. Um, anybody who has that, those skills, uh, please come join us, see us at the table after, after church, and we'll get you added to the team and do some wonderful projects.
3: Clay, while you have the mic, um, you know. So one of our focuses this year is on housing. For the past few years, we focused on the pressing need of food support and food insecurity. Talk a little bit about the importance of helping people repair their homes.
4: Sure. Yeah. And we we uh, something hopefully we'll get into over the next couple years is um, you know, older folks that that might live you know wherever it may be. There is a, certainly a big need in the West End. Uh, where people get older or they 're not able to afford to be able to take care of their house um, you know we're hoping to be able to go do projects at these homes to fix roofs and 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 porches and and whatever whatever need be to keep these homes nice and and allow them to have something to pass down to their future generations and pass wealth on, um, which is critical to you know uh, Um, critical to to creating wealth and and sustaining wealth uh, through future generations in the West End.
3: Yeah, that's amazing. I don't know if you guys know, but we have about 5,000 boarded-up houses in West Louisville, so we are really preventing that as well. Clay and his team can go in, repair a home, and you're you're not only passing down that wealth in their home, but you're preventing them from potentially becoming homeless. So wonderful ministry for Clay and his team. Um, so Daryl, tell us a little bit more about the purpose and mission of Prisoners' Hope.
5: So we believe that if someone has an incarcerated loved one, that they themselves are taken hostage into that world and that situation. Um, and so we also believe that it's just as important to work with the family left behind and the children providing counseling services for them so that they can process what's happened to mom or dad. Um, so our work is equally um, as, as uh, attentive to, toward those areas. Um, mentoring men and women on their way to prison basically looks like... Um, They may be at Metro or they may be out on bond. We would assign a mentor to walk alongside of that person um, for the duration of time. And then incarceration mentoring would pertain to basically someone who's already been there. A family member may reach out to us and we'll pick up that mentee and begin working with him or her. We require them to be at least two years out before before we, we will take them on as a mentee. The reason being is because we require them to do... During that time, a GED, life skills class, moral recognition therapy, a two-year vocation. We require them to be a core member of the body of Christ. We require them to be transparent to the mentor to whom we assign to them. And uh, we do a two-year Bible study with them as well, walking alongside of them. Uh, Post-incarceration, once they are uh, released, we continue to partner with them. We get them transitional housing. We pay their first month's transition. Uh, We get them clothing, jobs, computer skills. We get their ID started, get their insurance started and continue to walk alongside of them. We provide counseling if they need that for um, acclimating back in the community. Many of our people are um, institutionalized after been there 10, 15, 25 years, and so we help them to acclimate back in, and of course we get them jobs. And so, um, but again, obviously we're a faith-based ministry and Christ-centered, but we also, our next objective is to reunify families. We try to keep the family unit intact as much as possible if someone that's incarcerated indeed has a family um, is still out here.
3: Wonderful. Jeff, tell us a little bit about how we can partner with Hope Collaborative to serve with you.
0: Great. So so yeah, if, if you have an interest in working with kids and you have even just an hour or two a week, um, we can connect you with a school and um, the great thing about a lot of our schools is we have the relationship already like you all do with your partner schools. And so we're able to, to go in those schools and say, hey, um, identify some kids who could use a mentor. And a lot of times these are kids who maybe maybe their home life isn't all we'd want it to be. You know, maybe mom or dad isn't around, maybe because Daryl's reaching out to their dad because he's not in the home due to some incarceration or something. And so we're able to come alongside and bring a mature adult Um, And just show love to that child and those children by connecting with them, encouraging them, listening to them. So many times kids don't have somebody that's just there for them on their side. Um, One statistic we've seen is that 22% of children don't have one caring adult in their life. So you think about that, that's almost one out of four children don't have somebody who's on their side as an adult saying, I'm here for you, I'm on your side, you know, whatever you do, you're not going to lose me, that kind of thing. And so you can make a one-year commitment to connect with kids in our schools if you have even just an hour a week during the school time. Now, if you have more evenings free or you have a heart for kids that um, we want to catch them before Daryl gets them, right? We want kids that maybe they've been caught with marijuana or maybe they got into an altercation at school and now they have a charge, right? Right? In Kentucky, if you have a low class charge, you don't automatically go to court, you get to be diverted. And if you'll go through that process for six months, that student can go through that process and have that that charge expunged from their record. And so we get to come alongside those kids as well. We do an eight week small group with them and connect them with a mentor. So same kind of thing, you can work with up to three or four kids and um, we just get to love those kids and, and kind of meet them where they are and encourage them to kind of go a different direction. And so those are two real significant ways that you can step alongside and, 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 and meet some needs of some kids who, who really could use it.
3: Now Jeff, it sounds like serving consistently, right, is really important, right? Talk a little bit more about the importance of showing up consistently. in in our city.
0: Yeah, that's so huge because you think about Um, when someone has a need and it's one thing for, you know, someone say, hey, I'll be there. You know, you've you've all had this happen. Hey, call me if you need something, right? How many times has someone said that to us? And you're like, well, do they really mean it? And so it's the showing up consistently for our kids to know it's Tuesday at one o'clock or whatever time their mentor comes. My mentor is going to be here. And to know that, you know, he's going to be there. He's going to consistently provide that for me is just huge because a lot of these kids don't have that consistency. And so for someone to say, hey, I'll be there for you Every week, you're not going to scare me away when you tell me some, you know, crazy stuff or whatever. You're not going to, like, I'm, not, you're not going to, I'm here for you, and we're going to walk through this together. It's just, you know, you just can't, you can't beat it.
3: Amazing, amazing. Clay, talk a little bit more about the time, scope, and commitment for those who'd like to serve on your team.
4: Yeah, um, most projects will probably be on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, maybe the evening of a weekday, um, and, you know, kind of my thought on it is, you know, we get this team together and... You know, ask people, what do you want to do? One project, two project, three, three projects a year, whatever, you know, we can work with whatever, you know, skill you have and, and fit you to different projects, um, not to hopefully overburden anybody more than they want to be um, and get involved as much as you would like to and, and uh, you know, maybe just come do one project the first year and you might want to build from that, you know, in, in subsequent years.
3: Well, when I'm around town and people have met Clay, they always say that Clay Jones—he is amazing. Tell them real quick about the work that you and Fred Stevens did at VOA.
4: Okay, yeah, which uh, actually still still ongoing. Um, uh, there's a uh, Volunteers of America facility down by U of L. They've got a playground on the uh, on their campus there. That uh, the kids, there's kids there with their mothers that are going through drug rehabilitation, and on the edge of of the playground, there's this. Uh, it's the top of what used to be uh, a tunnel from building to building, and it's kind of a nasty brick and, and concrete structure that the kids were more attracted to play on that than they were on the playground. Uh, so they called Tamara, and Tamara called me and said, hey, can you help them put a fence up to keep the kids off the uh, safe? And uh, so we started building that fence, oh, I don't know, a couple Saturdays ago, and um, actually my son and I worked on it yesterday again, and we've got uh, maybe one more five- or six-hour stretch, and we'll have it done.
3: Awesome. Thank you, Clay. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that is what Christian ministry is all about, you guys, putting your talents and your gifts to the use for God's kingdom and His glory. So, Daryl, tell us a story of impact uh, of, of a life that has been changed through Prisoner's Hope.
5: Anyone that runs a nonprofit, uh, you just get to uh, get the opportunity to live close to these kind of stories, and it's it's transforming. It's, it changes your life. But one of my favorites out of many is a guy named Brad that we came on board with uh, some years back. Brad uh, was held up in his mother's garage over by Ottoman Park. Um, he was strung out on heroin, had lost his kids, just been divorced, lost his job. Uh, life was looking pretty bad for Brad. Um, he'd been uh, spiraling down for the last year. When we were called, and uh, so I actually got a chance to talk to Brad on the phone while he was in the garage, and kind of talked him off the cliff. We got him in Olap from there, Our Lady of Peace for a 72-hour eval. From there, we got him into Corner of Hope down at 18th and Standard for a nine-month intense in-house program, <clears throat> and so we began mentoring Brad and walking alongside of him. Uh, back in those days, uh, it wasn't Metro Christian Legal Aid. It was triple 12. And so we were able to contact some attorneys to help him get uh, partial custody back for his girls. Um, one, just one step at a time, just watching him thrive and watching God change his life was unbelievable. We got him a job, we got him an apartment, we got him furniture. Um, and then he began to have um, a visitation with his kids on the weekends, a um, little bit further down that road. He got his children back full time. He has a house now. He's a brick mason. He has his own company, and um, he's actually clergy for us and does our jail metro visits.
3: That's amazing. Um, Talk a little bit about how our audience online and here in the room can serve with Prisoner's Hope.
5: So our claim to fame is the simplicity of discipleship. I know mentoring sometimes is an intimid- can be an intimidating word. So basically, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, as tomorrow had talked about, is just going and making disciples. And that's really what we're doing, guys. We're just trying to make disciples of men and women that we're working with. and so. Um, but the, the simplicity of that sometimes is absolutely unbelievable. So what if I told you that you could mentor a male or a female? Of course, we have males mentoring males and females mentoring females. But what if I told you you could disciple... Uh, someone from the comfort of your own home um, sitting on a couch with an iPad or a uh, computer in front of you, that would sound ridiculous, right? You're like, how can I disciple somebody like that? Well, today's technology in the prisons, now we have a couple on-ramps to serve with our ministry, but this particular one is incarceration mentoring. It's that level. And so uh, if you started there, you uh, we are not able to go back into the prisons right now, and we have not been in there for about 14 months. So they have a kiosk in the middle of the wing called JPay, and so you can email your mentee um, from the comfort of your own home and disciple that person, do devotions, correspond, love on, walk alongside of that person uh, once a day, once a week, however often you want to serve. <clears throat> it's that simple um, and make huge impact in the lives of those people. Now, obviously, pre-incarceration mentoring or post-incarceration mentoring is a little bit different. You would meet with him or her, maybe out to have coffee, help them with budget, uh, just listen to them about how their job's going, where they're at in their lives, pray with them, and just love on them. And so, uh, again, we have many opportunities to serve with the ministry, and and some of those are super simple, and uh, it's just as impacting.
3: I love that, Daryl, that we, sometimes we make discipleship too difficult, right? And it's just very easy. It's sharing our life with one another, right? Sharing Jesus with one another. Um, Jeff, talk a little bit about some stories of impact at Hope Collaborative.
0: Sure, I would love to. Um, I think of a a girl we'll call Shelby, and um, Shelby was a high schooler, and she had a lot of responsibility at home, so she really was carrying more weight than most 15, 16-year-olds would be carrying. And in her junior year, she was starting to fall behind in school with her grades and attendance and such. And so the school connected her with one of our mentors, Jill, who attends here. And Jill just came alongside of her junior and senior year. And you know, just as a part of the, the whole process of surrounding Shelby with that care, she got back on track with school. Uh, Jill kind of helped her think about what's the next step? Can you get the FAFSA done? Can you do an application to school, get all that stuff done? And um, Shelby graduated a couple months ago from high school, and this fall she is entering U of L with a full tuition scholarship to start college.
3: Praise God. Clay, tell us a story of impact in the construction ministry. I know it's getting started, but share a story with us.
4: Uh, well, the first, I guess, official project that we had uh, in March was working at the Grace Kids Church, uh, which is a, a church down in the uh, just off the backside of Churchill Downs. And it's a church that serves only kids. Uh, Pastor Corey there and his wife kind of run the whole thing. Because they only serve kids, they don't have a lot of money. They don't have adults bringing a lot of money in. Uh, The kids, you know, walk there and ride their bikes there. And I think they have 150 to 200 kids that come to programs weekly. Well, because they don't have a lot of money, the facilities are not in the best shape. Um, And we went down there in March and put in new flooring and bathrooms and fixed plumbing with sinks and toilets and put on new downspouts um, and just just spruced the building up in general so that the kids had a nice uh, environment to come and worship in. Um, And it it needed some help. It was an old facility.
3: And I want you to know that JCPS was able to have a camp there this summer because of the work of Clay and his team. So that was amazing. Um, You know, serving is sometimes difficult, right? It, it's, it's hard sometimes to show up week after week and to be that consistent presence, but we are called to be Jesus to one another. What is it about your faith that grounds you, that keeps you going even through the difficult times? Whoever would like to go.
0: I guess I think about John 15 and, and Jesus being our vine. And, um, you know, when we're rooted in Jesus, then we can love and serve. And, and I love because, you know, we have mentors from all kinds of backgrounds. We have retired teachers. i we have a Coca-Cola salesman. You know, we got, I got a physical therapist, all kinds of people who just say, you know, when, when you're connected with Jesus, then you can love kids. And my Coca-Cola salesman, Tom, he said, he basically says, you know, it was better that I didn't have much in common with my middle school boy. Cause then I had to shut up and listen to him and find out about what he cared about, what mattered to him. And so, and he has a great story that way. It's like another one of those stories. And it's like when we're rooted in Jesus, we go in not because we have the answers or we have everything figured out or we understand youth culture. I sure don't. But we go in because we're like, I care about you. And we know this, kids respond when you care about them. If you love them, you listen to them, you're there for them, it changes lives.
3: Amen, amen. Go ahead, Daryl, yes.
5: I, I believe... Uh... I understand well uh, what it means to be the, the feet and hands of Jesus because I was on the receiving end of that for 22 and a half years of incarceration, and so uh, I couldn't even begin to list the people that God brought sovereignly into my life that walked alongside of me and poured into my life and cared for me and, and helped move the needle in my life, and so it would behoove us to, to give back. And so when I came out of prison in 2012, it, it, was, a, it was a grand opportunity for us to be able to do Um, what he had equipped us to do. And so I I sit here today, I can't even imagine what it would be like not to get to do what I do, Um, watching the the fires of God change lives and watch the the fingerprints of God all over the lives of the people we're working with and watching how he loves and cares and micromanages situations that you have no control over.
3: Amen. Amen. Yeah.
5: Uh, Well,
4: truthfully, I just enjoy building stuff um, and repairing stuff. It's it's a very rewarding thing for me. um, And to be able to use that, something that I'd already enjoyed doing, to help people is a wonderful blessing.
3: Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, our time is almost up. It wasn't long enough. But you guys have the opportunity to talk to them more and all of our other great nonprofits out on Main Street. So let's just pray together. And we'll close. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that you have called each of us, called each of us to go, to go out of our comfort zones into the world to serve. God, we know that you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life. And God, that is what we are called to do, to give our lives. Help us do that for your glory. It's in the strong name of Jesus we pray, amen.
1: Can we thank them one more time? It was awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Kids, construction, prison, as they were talking, was God like whispering in your ear saying, what they're doing, I should be doing. Don't, Don't shut that down. Don't just put a stop on that. Maybe it's this opportunity that God is is set up so you can take that step and start loving in a real way. And and like they said, your heart has changed in the midst of loving others. Um, You know what? We got tons of partners right outside these doors. And in just a second, we're gonna release you to get to meet them talk with them. We want you to do that for our online audience. We have a very special way for you to engage in this ministry fair as well. And so we're going to release you all right now to find out more about that. So thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.